and welcome to the week four edition of our NFL Megapod breakdowns of every single game on the slate. It is Matt Brown. It is Steven Anders. It is Adam Candy. You can find us all on the Twitter machine at Adam Candy. Two E's. No Y. At Steven Anders one at Matt Brown M two. And of course, everything we do absolutely free. Go ahead, hit that subscribe button down below. If you're watching us on the YouTube, if you're watching us, if you're listening to us over on the audio side of things, subscribe, rate, review. Do appreciate all of that as well. Coming off a very very nice week three, a good rebound here for uh, for me anyway. I think for all of us here on the pod, there was not a ton of disagreement. So a very nice week three, hoping to carry that over here into week four. Guys, before we get into some games, I do want to just talk about one macro thing that that is kind of going on league wide here. Very small sample size, only through three weeks. We're heading into week four. But scoring through three weeks in 2021 was just a smidge over 47 points a game. We are currently sitting 42.1 points per game heading into week four here in 2022. Adam, I don't, again, small sample size, but we're talking five-point difference in the totals in games this year comparatively to where we were last year at this point. Now, it obviously the totals have been adjusted at least a little bit throughout the course of all of these games. We'll talk about them as we get a lot, lots of low totals as we go. Is it swung too far? What do you attribute to this? Is there anything that we can pull from this information as we move forward, trying to get any sort of edge here as we, uh, you know, try to make some money betting this week? Well, I think I would point to very specific situations that are causing much larger effects. Where's the elite quarterback play in the NFL right now? Where we've come to expect it, it's not happening. Patrick Mahomes had one good week. Tom Brady's had zero good weeks. Aaron Rodgers is developing a whole bunch of new receivers and hasn't looked fantastic. The places we usually look for points, it's not happening. Mm -hmm. And so it just goes to show even more how much of a quarterback-driven league this is. So has it adjusted enough? I'm not sure. Honestly, I... I know that when I look at what I've played thus far, my unders have done better than my overs. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just going to go by my own uh, my own results and say that uh, I'm going to be leaning that way until further notice. Whenever we look, Stephen, I mean, I, I started to dig in a little bit further. My other just hypothesis here is that teams have continued to move to this too high safety look and there's far less splash plays and there's far less of these like giant bombs where we get guys in one-on-one coverage and it's just blown coverage and you know we get the quick scores and things like that and then everybody's trying to keep everybody underneath and everybody's trying to make everybody dink and dunk down the field now what we've seen over time is anytime defenses adapt a a new way of going about it it takes quarterbacks a little bit to to adjust to it and they then they end up figuring it out and things should write the, the the ship here somewhere along the way but that's the only thing i can get to right it's just we're seeing a whole bunch more zone we're seeing a whole bunch Two high safeties, just, hey, you're not beating us over the top. I don't care if your wide receiver does run a 4-3. Like, things like that is is kind of, again, just my hypothesis here. For sure. I, that was one of my theories mm-hmm. as well. If you look at the 32 quarterbacks so far through three weeks, half of them have a positive completion percentage over expectation. Half the league has a negative mm-hmm. completion percentage over expectation. So uh, I totally hear you there on on the uh, on the two deep looks and and – taking away explosive plays 
The other the other theory I have is just offensive lines. I mean, these guys don't aren't playing much in the preseason. A lot of people that have been around the league a lot longer than I have feel like that it takes continuity and reps when you're putting offensive lines together and you don't get as much live action in the mm-hmm. preseason and training camp as you used to. So maybe that's part of it as well, but yeah, I am curious to see if this kind of levels off a little bit here because you're right, it's not just the the bad quarterbacks that we expect. I mean, Russell Wilson is 21st yeah. in completion percentage over expectation. So it's it's not just the bottom of the barrel, guys. We will certainly continue to monitor the situation for you guys because, again, I mean, there will come a point where the adjustment is too much, right? And, like, we will try to take advantage of that. We'll try to be ahead of that before uh, the the everything tips back the other direction. But just something that's very interesting to me. I mean, down a full five points from last year through the first three weeks of the season. If you didn't know, we got a London game this week. It is over uh, Vikings and the Saints in this one. As we are sitting here, we did get a final injury report in this one. Again, recording this early on Friday morning. So uh, not going to get full injury reports for everything here. So we'll just kind of talk mainly what we think is going to happen in the game. And of course, you'll have to react to any late breaking injury news. But this one we did get. And Jameis Winston is doubtful. Michael Thomas is out for the New Orleans Saints in this game. With that, we've seen any two and a halfs that were still available gone. The threes are there, and then now the threes are juiced. We've seen it kind of bounce back and forth a couple of different times to three and a half uh, in favor of the Vikings. Adam, if we look at this one, this one was one of the games that I jotted down over the week. The past one was the, the Thursday night game in which when I see just some anomalies happen, I'll write down the game. I'll see what the line opens at. And if I think that there's too much going on, then then I just I bet the game. So with the Saints, I'm sitting there watching the game. Jameis is playing like garbage. looks like he's hurt. Michael Thomas leaves the game with an injury. Jarvis Landry leaves the game with an injury. So I I write down like, hey, what's the Saints-Vikings line going to open at? Sure enough, it opens at a point and a half. I take the Vikings at a point and a half, and I feel really good about it. Now, that being said, um, we are not seeing a huge reaction to the news of it going from Jameis to Dalton. And I think maybe I was a little bit overzealous on that line that I got because the injured Jameis, I guess was baked into that line as opposed to um, me thinking that I just, I got one over on people out there. That being said, it looks like this will probably settle at three and a half when it's all said and done because the general public hasn't heard this news yet. They aren't, they're not living on Twitter like we are. So um, what do we think here about Vikings and saints with Andy Dalton at the helm with no Michael Thomas? Well, I think beyond the market baking it in, I think our eyes can tell us that an injured Jameis Winston was not a whole lot better than whatever Mm -hmm. is going to be behind him, right? Uh, Even when we saw Jameis going well this year, we saw it for one quarter. That's it. We saw Jameis have one good quarter against the Atlanta Falcons, and everything else we've seen from Jameis Winston has been terrible thus far this year. So... I don't know that the market thinks it can get a lot worse. I think the question in this game becomes a whole lot more about can the Saints defense keep them in this game? And I think that question comes down to what's Kevin O'Connell feeling about what he wants out of his offense? Are they going to throw the football and they're going to throw the football with any sort of regularity in a way that doesn't allow them to get down multiple scores the way they did against the Detroit Lions? So. You know, I don't know that the Jameis situation is going to make 
a whole lot of difference. I didn't yeah. get involved uh, in this game. I made the number two and a half in the first place. So, uh, yes, obviously, three and a half is a significant difference from that. But I'm not rushing to the window to bet New Orleans plus three and a half without the home field advantage and with Michael Thomas now out. Yeah, I, look, the Dalvin Cook situation looks like he's going to go anyway, but that didn't even that didn't even come into effect when I was like uh, handicapping this game. Alexander Madison might be the best backup in the league, and you know the drop off is minimal, if any, whenever he's in the game. So that didn't come into the handicap at all for me. The one thing that really did here, Stephen, is that Kirk Cousins' passer rating in a clean pocket is ninety four point seven and under pressure. It is 61.8. So obviously, if you can make Kirk uncomfortable, then he is not near as good as he is whenever you can just give him a clean pocket. Fortunately for him, the Saints here in 2022, this defense, even though the defense has been fairly solid, 31st in pressure rate, 28th in sacks, and only five teams in the NFL blitz less than the Saints do. So I think Kirk Cousins is going to have a nice pocket to throw from in this game to take advantage of having all of those weapons that he's got. KJ Osborne has kind of like started to show up a little bit for them as well. So that was the big thing for me as well. Not only the injury situation for the saints, but I think Kirk cousins isn't going to be under duress very much here. And when he's not, he is literally one of the very best passers in all of the NFL. And so if that's the case, then I think advantage Vikings here. Yeah, I, I don't have a strong opinion on this game. I know our lead writer, Eli Hershkovich agrees with you, Matt. He also took the Vikings to cover less than a field goal before this injury news with Jameis Winston. I do think that there's matchups for each offense to take advantage of. You talked mm -hmm. about the deficiencies and pressure for the Saints defense, but I also think the Vikings defense hasn't shown a lot either. They are 26th in early down success rate. The Saints offense for their lack of explosiveness is top 10 in early down success rate. So I do think Chris Olave is an elite route runner and an emerging rookie star at, at wide receiver that could take advantage of the Vikings DBs here. So um, not a strong opinion for me, but mm -hmm. you are not alone with, with our lead writer also liking the Vikings. And, and obviously as always, you can go to the site and, and find his write up on why he likes the Vikings. If you can get to this and depending on when you get this video, I mean, this is certainly going to get adjusted, but uh, a big, big, big upgrade for Alvin Kamara in the passing game here. And so any props for Kamara before they start to run, Maybe you want to get in on Jameis Winston just doesn't check the ball down. He just doesn't do it. That's just not in his game. Andy Dalton does. And so this is a, a big, big upgrade from a receiving standpoint for Alvin Kamara. So just something if you do get this in time to uh, get over to the window and maybe get some of those into your account. All right, Cleveland Browns and the Atlanta Falcons. Guys, this is a fairly interesting game because we have two offenses that have actually thrived so far from an efficiency standpoint, which I don't think anybody would have thought. Uh, Cleveland Browns, a point, point and a half favorite right now over the Falcons, a total of 47 or 47 and a half. And of course, two defenses, Stephen, that rate in the bottom third of nearly every metric that there is out there. So it is a a situation where you go, wait, 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 Cleveland and Atlanta in the era of 42 and 43 point totals is sitting at 47 and a half at some books. Yeah, because the offenses are actually moving the ball and the defenses are not very good. And so that's why you get one of the higher totals of the week in a game with its quarterback by Jacoby Brissett and Marcus Mariota. For sure. I, I think we all agree that the Falcons defense has been as bad as advertised coming into the season. But 
but before I get into this, I'm just curious, like, do you guys agree with me that the Falcons offense has outperformed our expectations at this point? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially considering they had they didn't even get Kyle Pitts involved in the offense until last week, right? I mean, like that's the thing that's crazy to me is that their numbers sit where they're at in like the first good game Kyle Pitts had all season was was last week and even that was just a a good game by his standards, certainly nothing elite. Yeah, for sure. And Adam, I'll be curious to hear what you think about this too in, in just a moment. But to drive the, the point home here, you know, you have Miles Garrett who's just in a car accident that have reportedly flipped his car a million times. So we'll, thankfully, he's alive, first of all. But we'll see if he plays in this game. Uh, the Cleveland defense, 12th in success rate, but 27th in EPA. So they're giving up chunk plays. Bottom 20 as well against the run in both EPA and success rate. And that was when they played Carolina, the Jets, and Pittsburgh. So they've had trouble stopping bottom-of-the-barrel offenses through three weeks. And and to your point, Matt, about the, the Falcons' offense, really surprising metrics through three weeks despite having games against the Saints' defense and the Rams' defense. They are ninth and third in EPA per play and success rate. Uh, Marcus Mariota, top 10 in EPA and CPOE blend. So that's expected points added and completion percentage over expectation. And I think, you know, because they're playing this well, getting Drake London involved, they finally got Kyle Pitts involved last week against Seattle and Cleveland not having a top 50 coverage grade corner by PFF through three weeks. There's some matchup advantages here for Atlanta. So, I think this is a solid teaser leg for the Falcons. There's a couple plus one and a half still on the board as we record. Get that up to plus seven and a half. But um, yeah, Adam, I'm, I think this this Falcons offense deserves an upgrade through three weeks. Well, I think yeah, I mean, we look, Adam, the fourth highest graded passer through through three weeks, according to PFF. Jacoby Brissett is the fourth highest graded passer in wow. the NFL through the first three weeks of the season. I don't think a lot of people would have thought that. He has, though, targeted David Njoku early and often and and Joku is questionable for this game along with Miles Garrett along with Denzel Ward as well for Cleveland. Yeah, you didn't even get halfway down the list when it comes to injuries. Mm-hmm. There's way more than that to report. Uh you, you we mentioned Miles Garrett already then there's Warden and Joku. Uh JOK might be one of the best linebackers in the NFL. He's questionable to go in this game. Batonio's questionable. Conklin's questionable. All of this leads me to where I would normally make this evaluation and why I haven't bet it. Uh, I have Cleveland as close to a four point favorite by my numbers in this game. And that's for me, a lot of belief in the Cleveland running game and a lot of belief that when we talk about the fact that you have two bottom third defenses, you have one bottom third defense that we expected and one bottom third defense that we absolutely did not. And so that's where I'm not going to get lost in small sample size too badly uh, with the Cleveland Browns is that this defense was expected to be better. That being said, is this the week that it's going to happen with all the injuries that they have to try to account for on that side of the ball? So I I like Cleveland quite a bit in, in this spot. What I don't really love is what their injury situation is. On the Atlanta side, to answer the question that Steven was putting out there, I think what we finally started to see this year as opposed to last year, which is kind of funny when you think about Marcus Mariota versus Matt Ryan, uh, you started to see the Arthur Smith that got hired from Tennessee in the first place. Uh, Mm -hmm. They've actually been pretty darn good at mixing it up with the formations at mixing it up with moving Marcus Mariota around to avoid pressure, which obviously you didn't have that option 
when it comes to Matt Ryan. And Drake London's been outstanding as an addition to this offense to give them uh, the receiver that they thought they were going to have with Calvin Ridley before he discovered the state of Florida. So, you know, ultimately, I, I like where your head is at with uh, with a teaser leg on Atlanta just because of the Cleveland injury situation. That being said, if I were to bet this game straight and you told me that I had even relative health among the guys that I mentioned, I would be with Cleveland on, on the road. Yeah, I uh, I also have a Falcon Caesar leg in this one. Took them up to two and a half. This, this I mean, took them up to eight and a half. This was sitting two and a half. So the Falcons have gotten some love in this game. So I've got a Rams leg with the Falcons in this one. Again, it, it, there was a I knew there was a lot of injury situation stuff going on. Honestly, the Miles Garrett stuff did in fact sway me to go ahead and put this in my account because I just figured like, hey, look, this dude's not going to be able to play this week. Like he's going to be all banged up, and that's not going to happen. And then with the other litany of injuries that they have. Ugh, he got Garrett's not ruled out. So, I mean, he might actually play. So the handicap for me might have, uh, might have, might go through the window here, but I'm, I'm still fairly confident that Atlanta's going to be able to move the ball and, and do some scoring here. There's just, again, one last little stat here from Jacoby Brissett. Not only is he the fourth highest graded, uh, quarterback, quarter pro football focus here. I mean, he, he's only thrown one pick. He's got the same number or more touchdown passes as Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray, Tom Brady, and Russell Wilson. So he is in the same breath as those guys through the first three weeks of the NFL season. So uh, just some interesting stuff in this one for sure. I, uh, I I think if I had to play it straight as well, I would probably still lean to the Brown side. But if you're going to give me through the, uh, through the three and the seven, I think that we can keep this thing within one score. So that's kind of how I'm looking at it from that standpoint. Another interesting game here for uh, fellows, because we got to figure out who's real and who's not real. And that is, are the Dallas Cowboys for real, even with Cooper Rush at quarterback commanders and the Cowboys Cowboys are three point home favorites, though. This is starting to get a little juicy in a couple of places. We might be heading to three and a half in favor of the Cowboys. 41, 41 and a half is the total. Now, Adam, if we look at this, I think that there is something very clear in this that we are all going to talk about here, and that is the fact that Carson Wentz has been sacked 15 times already on the season. That's tied for most in the league, and he's going up against a defense that has Micah Parsons, who has the the most sacks in, uh, the as a team, has the most sacks of any team in the NFL. That seems to be the first and foremost place to start here is can Washington figure out a way to keep Carson Wentz off of his back? And if that's not the case, then probably this is a one-way handicap. And you know what, Matt, because of that, let's talk about the other side of the ball with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Dallas right now is actually better offensively than mm -hmm. we expected them to be. And no, I'm not buying into the is Cooper rush as good as Dak Prescott. Cool story, Phil Sims. But ultimately, they've managed to continue to move the ball with some efficiency, right? We've seen them be able to get it to Noah Brown in week two. We saw it go to CeeDee Lamb in week three. Cooper Rush is not making mistakes, and that's the biggest thing you can ask out of him. He's not missing throws badly. He's not causing turnovers. They still have managed to be able to run the ball with some efficiency, despite the fact that they don't seem to like Tony Pollard very much, even though he's a better running back than <laughs> Zeke Elliott at this point. So I think as you evaluate this game, you look and say to yourself, OK, if Dallas has the ability to at least avoid mistakes and the pass rush can, can create the kind of situations that you reference, right, the ability to get to Carson Wentz, then I think you look at Dallas and say this is the stronger side at three or less. 
Yeah, Stephen, if we look, I mean, the, the other thing about this is when he's not getting sacked, he's getting pressured. He's been pressured. Carson Wentz has been pressured 53 times already through three games. Like, it's just it's crazy and to make matters worse. Obviously, as you would imagine with a guy like Carson Wentz, he's not good under pressure. He's the 24th ranked quarterback in the NFL whenever he is getting pressured. So not only is he getting sacked a ton when he's not getting sacked, he's getting pressured a ton. It's just uh, for me, I, I know, listen, there was a very influential group out there that put out a play on Washington in this one. And that's why this line has not moved much further than it has right now. I mean, they they took the three and a hooks that were available and and took them with big, big money. And so I don't know if there's something they're seeing that I'm not. It's just for me. I understand that anytime we start talking Carson Wentz. I have blinders on. I'm completely biased when it comes to Carson Wentz. I think he's absolute garbage. And so I I value y'all's opinion and stuff like this to, to make me wonder, like, what am I not seeing? Is this a bias that keeps coming into play here? Because um, even with Cooper Rush, to me, if he can't stay upright, then how the hell are the commanders going to put the ball in the end zone? If I had to guess why that group made the play, it seems like a numbers play because the opening line on this one in the summer, assuming Dak was playing, was Washington plus five. And now you get to Cooper Rush and they're gobbling up three and a half because they probably don't believe that the drop from a starter to a backup is only one and a half points. But I would argue what you guys have said. Cooper Rush has looked pretty darn competent. The past two weeks, he's been top 12 in EPA per play and success rate among all quarterbacks in those two starts. And full transparency, I did bet Washington plus three on the look-ahead line mm -hmm. based on the same logic that the, the number has not come down far enough from Dak to Cooper Rush. And But he's looked good, man. I, and I am absolutely terrified of Washington being able to protect against this ferocious Dallas front. They were destroyed by the Eagles with nine sacks. Dallas is ranked higher than Philadelphia in pass rush win rate. And this is a bottom five pass block win rate offensive line for Washington. So numerically, it doesn't make sense potentially, but perhaps we were wrong about Cooper Rush and the value we should assign to him. Perhaps we are overlooking the complete mismatch in protection for Carson Wentz, and perhaps that we are not downgrading Washington enough from preseason expectations. When I already bet them on the under on the win total, I thought their market rating was ludicrous coming into the season to assume that Carson Wentz was an upgrade. So I think we're seeing a combination of things here, and I don't feel great about that look-ahead line that I bet. Yeah, it would be a Dallas or pass for me, not one that's in the account. That said, maybe a contest play for me, if we're, you know, if we're just being honest, like maybe this is one of those that sneaks into the contest for me this week and and we just kind of watch and make sure that I'm not getting blinded here by what Cooper Rush has been doing. But boy, it sure does seem like he has a pretty solid grasp of this offense. And if Carson Wentz can't stay upright, then I just don't know how they move the ball. So I'm going to be, uh, it's going to be Dallas or pass for me. Seattle Seahawks at the Detroit Lions. Detroit Lions are four, four and a half point favorites right now at home. Seattle Seahawks sitting in this one, 48, 48 and a half on your total. Yes, a 48, 48 and a half total in a game quarterbacked by Jared Goff and Geno Smith. That being said, off we go again here. Adam, when we look at this, it's like, hey, what do we have? We have two shockingly good offenses and two not shockingly defense defenses that stink. And so it's 
that's the total for points. That's the formula for points. This is everything that you would look for here. The only problem for me is I wanted to play the Lions in Survivor. I wanted to play the Lions even maybe in this game at four. Problem is, is without Amon, Amon Ross St. Brown, who, by the way, has not practiced so far this week, we'll you know monitor that and see what his status is on Friday. He's really been the thing that's made this offense go, right? I mean, and so I, without him out there or without him out there, even at 100%, I mean, if it's an ankle thing that kept him out of practice for two straight days, it's probably not very good for him. So that's what's kept me off of this. That's what probably will just have me watching this. That's what makes me not want to take the over in this, despite the fact that I think the Lions can probably score if he was healthy, they could probably put up 30 on their own. I think Seattle would be able to easily move on this sieve of a defense and put up another 20 something points. I thought this was a dead over game, but I know, I know to hold my whole handicap on one player, but really and truly he's kind of been the glue for this offense. He's been the chain mover. He's been the splash splash play guy. So I just can't get there without, uh, without him being healthy. So let's go to the other side of the ball then, because you've covered Detroit fairly well there. So let's go to the Seattle Seahawks and Geno Smith, who, again, we talked a whole lot about Geno Smith after week one and people mm-hmm. writing him off, et cetera, et cetera. All right, well, let's use some small sample size grades to say thus far, Geno Smith has the same amount of big time throws as Kirk Cousins, as Tom Brady. He is ranked between Geno Smith uh, is ranked between Patrick Mahomes and Kirk Cousins in PFF grade through three games. And that's not going to mean a whole lot in the long run, but against a bad defense in Detroit, it means something. And so Mm. I can understand why the sixes came off the board quickly uh, at the beginning of the week. I would make this game closer to five and a half. I don't have a play. I'm sitting it out. But I, I think that the takeaway is that, yes, Seattle's defense is absolutely abysmal. Uh, but in the end, are we going to get enough out of the Seattle offense most weeks to at least make them competitive when it comes to totals? Yeah, I think we are. So if we take a look here, Stephen, um, this is, I think for me, again, you and I, we did the survivor thing earlier in the week and I said, Hey, the it's either gonna be the lions or the Packers for me. didn't get any better from a Lions perspective, from an injury standpoint. So it's just going to be the Packers for me this week. I think you could still play the Lions if you had like five entries. I would probably put maybe two of them in on the Lions, but that's about it. And again, for me, I wanted to bet the Lions. I wanted to back them here. I just can't get there. I wanted to play an over in this one. This seemed like a dead, dead, dead over game. I can't get there either. Am I overreacting to this St. Brown injury? No, you're reacting appropriately. Uh, coincidentally, before we started recording, I went back to our survivor video and added mm-hmm. a comment that I would no longer put the Lions as a survivor yeah. pick this week because the Seahawks are live here, guys. I mean, mm-hmm. that Amon Ross St. Brown injury is enormous. The, he is Jared Goff's new Cooper Cup. And DeAndre Swift was a big part of the passing game as well. And I think they're going to be fine running the ball, but. You know who the number one quarterback is through three weeks in completion percentage over expectation? It's Geno Smith. (laughs) It's unbelievable. I mean, low expected completion percentage because he's looking downfield, but he's got great receivers to throw to in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. So, and against this Detroit secondary, I don't think that this is the week where that's going to regress to the mean, to be honest with you. So, uh, again, transparency. I bet Seattle plus six right when the injury news is coming mm-hmm. out about the the Lions weapons. But I think anything over a field goal here is still a good bet. 
And I think they're live to win the game, Seattle, in this one. And as it turns out, I mean, the irony here, the first time Detroit is favored in a game in more than 670 days, and it's been 26 games since they've been favored. And we're talking about how they're probably uh, in trouble of losing the game outright. And I'm just not interested in backing the Lions as a favorite, especially when they're this banged up. And we can talk again in future weeks when their weapons are healthy and they're back to being underdogs. Yeah, I think this Lions team is one of those teams that you can only back when they're you know at or close to 100% strength because when they are they're going to be able to put up points and they'll be able to probably be you know just froggy enough to keep these spreads pretty close and stuff I mean we need them to win you know we need them to win and cover this week if you wanted to back them but uh, most weeks are going to be underdogs and most weeks I think they're going to be that team that if long as they're 100% you probably aren't going to want to bet against them too often but at less than 100% and I need them to win by more than a field goal I just think that's a little bit too much for me. If I had to play this one, it would be on the Seattle side. And again, I, I guess I would probably, probably just pass completely on the total uh, if it came down to it as well. So very interesting game though. I do want to see if Detroit can do anything without uh, St. Brown out there, who has again been the chain mover for this team without question. Tennessee Titans and the Indianapolis Colts. We have a three and a half point favorite in the Indianapolis Colts at home over the Tennessee Titans. 42 and a half to 43 is your total. Steven, this is one of the ones we were talking before we started recording. A line that makes no sense to you. What in the hell have the Colts done this season or last week for this to come off the three and make the Titans plus three and a half? What on earth have they done? Like we talked about how impressed we were about the Falcons. And, you know, before the season, we had serious questions about Arthur Smith. Maybe Matt Ryan just sucks. And maybe he was run heavy last year because he's worried about Matt Ryan. Because this has not been good for the Colts. Their offensive line is 31st in pass block win rate. They are middle of the pack and run block win rate, but that was below expectation for us. Now Jonathan Taylor has a toe injury this week. The interior of the offensive line has been a major liability for the Colts, in particular the right guard, Danny Pinter, 59th in PFF pass blocking grade among guards. There's only 64 that start each week. Mm-hmm. 59th, not good. And despite the edge rusher injuries for the Titans, they still have a monster on the inside in Jeffrey Simmons, who's top five in PFF grade among interior defensive linemen, also top 10 in pass rush win rate. So the Titans are maintaining average pressure, especially on the interior with a below average blitz rate. So they're dropping enough guys back into coverage. That's going to match up pretty good against a Colts passing game that really only has one true threat and Michael Pittman catching the ball. Oh, by the way, neither of the Colts' tackles have a top 30 PFF grade through three weeks. So Matt Ryan, fifth most pressured quarterback, he's taken 12 sacks, he's 24th in success rate, and dead last among all quarterbacks in EPA per play. On the flip side, Ryan Tannehill, I think, actually performed better than expectation, 11th and 9th in success rate in EPA per play. Easy bet for me for the Titans to be plus three and a half here. And I even sprinkled a little bit on, on a money line parlay here with Denver this week. So, Adam, we take a look here and people are going to say, well, what are y'all talking about? The Colts beat the the Chiefs last week. Well, look, the one of the touchdowns was absolutely gifted a muffed punt. It was a four yard drive that got them on the board with the touchdown. You add in two more field goals. And then they did have one really good fourth quarter drive. I'm not going to take that away from them. They went 76 yards. They got it done to get a a lead in that game. That said, in between, 
you have Patrick Mahomes and this offense fail on fourth down. You have them a weird fake field goal thing. They have a missed field goal in there. I mean, it, again, a win is a win is a win. And certainly the Colts needed a win in this league. That said, that win was okay at best. That's like a C when it comes to how you go about winning a game. So I, I think that when people look and if they're only looking at box scores and go like, yeah, dude, the Ch- the Colts beat the, the Chiefs last week or something. There was more to that game than than just the the 20 to 17 victory. I will go ahead and take that 76 yard drive away uh, at the end of the game, because the only reason that drive got home was because the referee decided that uh, Chris Jones called Matt Ryan a poopy head. And because of that, the drive (laughs) got to keep going. Uh, That was a questionable at best unsportsmanlike conduct call against Kansas City in a key situation that ended up changing the game. And so when you look at the fact that it took that for the Colts to be able to keep the drive going, then I think you understand exactly where the state of the Indianapolis offense is right now. Now, to the point about the Titans, I had the opportunity to watch all that game last week uh, against the Raiders. And am I going to get the Titans offense I got in the first half? Or am I going to get the Titans offense I got in the second half? Because in the first half, it looked a whole lot more like the Tennessee Titans that we have seen for the last few years Mm -hmm. when they had offensive talent. In the second half, it was abysmal, and it looked like every reason that Todd Downing has lost most of the jobs that he's had recently as an offensive coordinator. So, you know... I don't know that I want any part of this game. I don't think that I trust Tennessee's offense enough. Uh, that being said, I am with Steven that the only way I would be involved if I were to be involved would be with the dog. Yeah, it's the same with me. I don't have anything in the account here. It would be a Titans or pass for me, mainly because, again, I I did watch that Colts game, the Colts and Chiefs game pretty intently and they didn't do anything, anything in that game to make me think that this team is any better than what we've seen in the first couple of weeks. Like I said, gifted 3. touchdown. 3.8 yards per play. 3.8. Yeah. yeah. Gifted touchdown, missed field goals, weird fake field goal. Like, I mean, just, I don't know. It seems like Andy, we, we'll talk about that when we get to the Chiefs. It seems like Andy Reid might be losing his fastball or something. But there's <laughs> there's like, you know, it was a, it was a gifted win. And so for me, Dogger pass here for sure. I'm curious what you guys think about the total, because even though we are looking at a a very low total in 43, we've seen low scoring games. We know the Colts offense doesn't really work all that well. And then the Titans want to run the ball a ton. I mean, that's kind of how they are by far more efficient is when Derrick Henry is kind of getting going. Is this an underlook in this game? Because that was the one thing that I almost pulled the trigger on was more kind of an under type situation. I'm not great at totals, so I, I defer to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I mean, listen, you're always going to get transparency from me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're sitting right at the median number for the league this year, right? But we have two secondaries that I do not believe in. So I guess there's a chance that we could get some some passing here, but I don't know, man. I, I suck at props. I suck at totals. I'm here to tell you who's going to cover the spread. Adam, am I, am I, am I just fishing for a bet in this too much or, or does a, does an underlook make a little bit of sense? Uh, I know where your handicap is coming from. I'm yeah. not betting it. And here's why I'm not betting it because of what you just said, what both of us have said about Matt Ryan, right? When you get into a situation, when you have a quarterback that bad, you're also risking turnovers and you're risking quick yeah. cheap scores as well True. so i think it's not necessarily to say that i think your handicap is wrong there's just enough variance in there for me that i'll i'll pass 
Matt Ryan tied with Derek Carr and Josh Allen for most turnover-worthy plays through the first three weeks of the season. Chicago Bears and the New York Giants. This is, I see my screen lighting up. Uh, two and a halfs that were there for the Giants, if you wanted those, are gone. It's three Damn. now. Uh, three now across the board for the New York Giants. So if you do want to back the football Giants, it's going to cost you a full field goal. A total of 39 and a half in this one. Adam, it is your New York football Giants. And listen, I, I, you and I were, were kind of texting back and forth in this and and I still believe this. I wouldn't watch the all 22 of this game. Like I, I rewatched this stuff. Daniel Jones, for, for what it's worth, you can, people can make the argument to me if you want to all day long about whether you think he's the long-term answer, whether you think he is a starting quarterback in this league, all that, everything's like that. This particular game, this particular past week, I don't know what more you could have asked out of that guy. He did everything humanly possible to try to keep them in that game. He avoided several sacks that would have been on on other quarterbacks. He would have been sacked five more times if he wasn't as athletic as he was. He picked up first downs with his legs. He didn't throw ill-advised passes. By the way, everyone, oh, nice pass, Daniel Jones, to end the game. The receiver fell down. I mean, like this, this it, the game, as far as quarterback play, you cannot pin on Daniel Jones, in my opinion. And so, I mean, do we just, do we assume then in this game that the Bears are going to be able to get as much pressure on Daniel Jones as the Cowboys were? And my, my, my opinion is no. And so that at least piques my interest from a giant standpoint. I can understand why. Uh, and to me, I think it's a matter of looking at Daniel Jones versus looking at are the circumstances around Daniel Jones going to change a whole lot. And I don't think that they are. And that'll keep me off this game entirely because mm -hmm. of this. As a Giants fan, I'm going to tell you something. For the first time in about five years, I actually cleared out my schedule to watch a Giants game start to finish <laughs> and root for them to win as opposed for them to lose for draft picks. And what was your reward? My reward? I'll be, okay, I'll tell you what, Stephen. My reward was actually that I saw and a plan in place. I saw an mm -hmm. idea yeah. in place. I saw that Brian yeah. Dable, I think is going to get this team going the right direction. He simply does not have the talent to get it done right now. It's just not there. And even in the spots where it should be there, they spent a top 10 draft pick on Evan Neal. Now, look, I'm not going to go right off Evan Neal at right tackle, because if you wrote off Andrew Thomas after year one, then you would be pretty disappointed in what the ultimate evaluation is, which is that Andrew Thomas is pretty damn good. But last mm -hmm. week, Evan Neal got eaten alive by Demarcus Lawrence. Daniel Jones wasn't good in part because his front side was not an option at any point during the day. And as Matt just mentioned, when it was an option on that last drive, when the Giants were going down trying to tie the game, he had a drop from Sterling Shepard. He had a drop from Kenny Galladay. And then he had his receiver fall down on the last play. So Daniel Jones is not going to get any help. And I don't think that's going to change this week. I, I don't think no matter how bad the opponent is, that that's going to change because look, we don't have a lot of respect for this Carolina team and the giants needed a 50 plus yard field goal at the end of the game to beat them. Now is the Tennessee win going to start to look a little bit better? Maybe, but we've also seen that Tennessee in the second half has some sort of issues right now. And I think they point back again to the offensive coordinator, Todd Downing. So I'm not going to play it 
I do, as a Giants fan, believe that by the second half of the year, Matt, when you talk about the alt wins that you have on the Giants mm-hmm. and the fact that they already have two in the bank, I do think you could be talking about a team that is live to finish with seven or eight wins this year. But I think it's going to take some time to come together. And I don't even know against a bad opponent. And Justin Fields is horrendous right now with the Bears if that's going to be enough. Stephen, the thing for me and the reason I I haven't pulled the trigger yet on this one, and I I probably won't, Leonard Williams didn't practice again on Thursday. He, you know, not being on that defensive line, we kind of saw that really come into play against the Cowboys this past week. And with Chicago, we know what they're going to do. They might run the ball 50 times in this game. Literally might run the ball 50 times in this game. I mean, this past week, Russell Gage had 12 catches for the Bucks, Tom Brady threw the ball and they were and, and, and Russell Gage caught it 12 different times for the Bucks. All of the wide receivers for the Bears combined have 11 catches on the season. Russell Gage had more in one game than all of the Bears receivers have all season long. And so we know what they want to do. They want to hide Justin Fields. They just want to run over and over and over and over and over again. It doesn't help Sterling Shepard's out for the Giants as well. So somebody, somebody is finally going to have to step up for them at a rece- at the receiving position. So there's just a, a few too many question marks for me in this one. That said, heavy, heavy, heavy lean towards the Giants, but just enough to keep me off of it. This gets back to two and a half. I'm betting on the Giants mm-hmm. because the Bears, along with the Seahawks, when they're playing an uninjured opponent, are the two teams that I want to bet against as much as humanly possible for the rest of this season. And you talked about the ongoing evaluation with Daniel Jones, and like let's see what he looks like when Kadarius Tony and Wandale Robinson get out there. They don't have mm-hmm. any receivers left, but I have a sneaking suspicion that the new Bears regime has already made up their mind on Justin Fields. Because the Bears have a 35% pass rate through three games. That would have been 15% lower than the most run-heavy <laughs> team in the league last year. He's thrown less than 18 passes in every game. And only one quarterback is worse in EPA, CPOE blend, success rate, and completion percentage over expectation. And that's Baker Mayfield. He has only been better than Baker Mayfield despite the low volume and and running the ball like crazy and probably having single coverage on the back end because of the, how run heavy they've been. So I think they've made up their mind. I'm not sure this regime is all that interested in winning this year with all the dead cap money they have and trying to get right for next year. I think they're probably looking at the quarterback class of next year trying to upgrade here because I, there's no other reasonable ex- – like you can talk about the monsoon game week one you want all you want – But since then, there's no reasonable explanation for why they have been as run heavy as they've been with a young quarterback that they're trying to figure out is the franchise quarterback or not. It's it's very strange. And if we get two and a half, I'm going to be bullish on Brian Dable here to to figure this out and win by a field goal. Yeah, just just yeah. One stat to add one stat to add to, to what Steve said. You talked about how bad Matt Ryan was with his turnover worthy plays, right? So if you go as a percentage of overall plays, Matt Ryan is second in the league at 5.8%. The gap between him and number 24, Trey Lance is three percentage points, right? 
The gap between Matt Ryan and Justin Fields, who is number one <laughs> in turnover worthy play percentage, is also 3%. Justin Fields has a 9% turnover worthy play rate. He is basically risking a turnover one out of every 10 times that he touches the football. P.S. That's why I'm not getting involved in the total in this game, which actually has gone up uh, a point from 38 and a half to 39 and a half because Justin Fields could create a bunch of short fields on his own. Uh, Adam, just real quick, just a, a sports talk radio thing. Are the bears the most fraudulent two in one team of all time? <laughs> Man, I don't have the historical context, but if you but ask me, are they, they got to be up there, right? Like, like they're all right. So we have two, two in one teams that are completely unworthy of being two in one right now. Them <laughs> and the Denver Broncos, right? I'll buy the Denver Broncos all day long over the Chicago <laughs> bears because the Chicago bears are horrendous. Yes, I, I just I, I was I, I'm going down I, again. I don't have the historical reference either. I'm just going to say they're the most fraudulent two and one team of all Lean time. In. I mean, just how that how can that team be two and one? It's As just, a Niners fan, that week one loss is going to bother me for the next 365 days. God, it pisses me off so bad. <laughs> I believe it. Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem. Call one 800 522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Jacksonville Jaguars and the Philadelphia Eagles. Guys, this one's very interesting from a standpoint that this is two teams that everybody wants to bet on, but they got to play each other this week, so you can't bet on both sides. Six and a half is your total, um, is your uh, line in this one in favor of the Eagles, your total 45 and a half. Um, look, if you watch any of the preseason stuff, you know I'm super, super, super bullish on the Eagles. They have shown me everything that I've needed to see with this team. They're number one in my power ratings as we sit right now. I think the most complete team in the NFL. But you're telling me they got to beat this Jags team by a touchdown. And Steven, I just can't quite get there. Uh, I know you can, but this defense for the Jags has been just spicy enough for me to not want to, to poke them with this Eagles team. So I, I'm going to... I think I'm just going to sit back, have a cold beer and, and and watch this one and feel pretty good about seeing probably what are two of the more more interesting teams in football right now going at it. I like the Jags. I think they're going to win the division. They are above average in my power rankings as well. But I think we have to at least question the context of their past two wins, especially now playing who is one of the top three at worst across our entire staff, and at best, as you said, the number one team in the league this week, who have no question marks about the past three weeks that they've played and how fantastic they have looked. So the context for the Jags the past two weeks, obviously a ton of major injuries for the Colts. They blow them out. Great. 
last week against the Chargers. Major injuries at every key position you can think of for the Chargers. Credit the Jags. They took care of business and blew them out. That's fine. If we're going to look at this spread numerically, though, Jacksonville on the look ahead before all of those Chargers injuries were going to be more than a than a touchdown favorite. Uh, I'm sorry, more than a touchdown underdog against a completely healthy Chargers team. And I should even like preface that a little bit. They were actually down Keenan Allen and J.C. Jackson when that look ahead came out. So more than a touchdown underdog with a couple of key injuries still for the Chargers. Now they're less than a touchdown underdog against a team that looks even more powerful, even stronger than the, the Chargers did before they had all of those injuries. So I am going to bet on the Eagles to cover six and a half here because that's how high I am on them. And I at least ha- still have some question marks about how legitimate of a team the Jaguars are and whether or not they should be in that top 10 tier uh, as this this spread would would imply. So... Adam, here's the thing, and listen, the, the defense for the defense for Philadelphia has been absolutely fantastic, and I don't think anyone's going to question that. Darius Slay, probably at this point in his career, is maybe the best shadow corner there is in the NFL and all that. That being said, Darius Slay does not travel to the slot. He has run one coverage all season long out of, uh, from the slot, right? Like, literally has only covered one snap from the slot all season long. Christian Kirk runs 77.4% of his routes out of the slot and has over the course of his career. So what we are looking at here is the best receiver for the Jags and the one that they've actually found a really good rapport, him and Trevor Lawrence, running against what is likely to be Avante Maddox. And like, he's fine. He's certainly nothing that you're going to like avoid or you're throw away from or whatever. Like Darius Slay, you just don't throw in his direction, right? I mean, like he's that good right now. So I'm not as convinced that the Eagles are going to be able to just lock down this Jags offense as a lot of people are because everyone's going, oh, they'll just put Slay on Kirk and blah, blah, blah. And like, no, you got to look in a little bit deeper. Like, that's not where Christian Kirk runs his routes out of, and that's not where Darius Slay goes and covers. And so I don't think that this is as cut and dry of a, oh, the Jags aren't going to be able to move the ball. So I think you guys have covered the sides very well here. I I make the game Philly seven. I think the number is right where Mm. it should be. Uh, What I want to talk about is the total because I don't understand the movement on this and I'm going to need some help, uh, Matt, from you in particular to to understand here for a game. Yeah, because I suck at totals. There you go. For for a game game that opened 48 to be down at 45 and a half with two of the most efficient offenses in football, two of the top eight by DVOA. Jalen Hurts by just about every pro football focus metric has been one of the best, if not the best quarterback in the NFL thus far. Uh, We've seen the Jaguars prove to be fairly explosive on offense. I don't get the total movement here. The market is moving in a direction that I don't understand. And again, we talked at the top of the show about how everything overall is going under in a way that it hasn't in the past. Is it more respect for these defenses? Is it a in some way a fading of who the opponents have been for the Jaguars? How do you see that having moved? Because the only way I'm leaning here is over. My guess was that some of it at the beginning of the move was this AJ Brown stuff because he missed two practices in a row earlier in the week for, I mean, they were listed as personal reasons and listed as, uh, you know, excused or whatever. But again, 
Uh, A.J. Brown missing two practices for the Eagles this week. I think maybe people looking a little bit further and seeing that, oh, my gosh, this this Jags defense is actually legitimate. And and I I believe they're legitimate. I've watched this team maybe maybe closer than any other team so far this season just because I did want to see. I feel like this team's talented. Like, I feel like this team's got the pieces there to be to be pretty decent. And so I've been trying to figure out if maybe my my opinion on them was just a little bit too high. And so I actually think this defense is pretty good. And I actually think this defense is enough to cause a little bit of disruption, a little bit of havoc here for uh, Jalen Hurts. Now, that being said, Mm -hmm. the problem is, is he just has so many different weapons. I mean, like if they can't run the ball, which by the way, Jacksonville's run defense has been one of the very best in the NFL first overall DVOA second overall according to pro football focus. So, I mean, it's not a joke here. Everybody sees what's going on with this run defense, but you know, through the air, he's got AJ Brown. He's, he's got Devon Smith. He's got Dallas Goddard. There's just so many other weapons here that that kind of keeps me nervous. I will say this, if this gets to a full touchdown, which this line's not moved all week, by the way. This is like the most evenly bet game in the history of, of the NFL so far. Like, it's crazy. Like, you rarely ever see something open and then just stays completely, completely stone in stone, Whether especially when there's two teams that everybody loves to bet. Um, but if this does get to a full seven by any for any reason, I'm going to have to take the full touchdown with the Jags. I just I, I just am. There's I think there's enough pieces there to keep this thing within one score. And so that's kind of where where I sit, but from a total standpoint, Adam, I think we probably just got the correction to where, to where it needed to be because the, the respect for these defenses, I think probably wasn't in play with that original line that was put out there. Fair enough. I I absolutely can, can hear that Mm -hmm. and, uh, and can see that it's, it's just that I, I look at the efficiency of both offenses and Mm -hmm. think that maybe 45 and a half is on the low side for what this game could mm-hmm. be. So again, uh, not, not playing aside, just wanted to get your take on the total. And I think that's, it would certainly uh, be an yeah. over pass for me. Yeah. And, it would certainly be. Yeah. And, yeah. and as for AJ Brown, by the way, uh, that was birth of a child, uh, that they mm-hmm. were expecting, uh, their, their second kid Philly beat reporters as of this morning saying no problem. AJ Brown will play. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was just, I think that, you know, we're probably, we're probably in this age of, of people just getting like push notifications and yeah. it's like AJ Brown misses practice oh, 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 under, you know, and it's like, don't even go in and look and see what, what's going on with all that. But I just, I love both of these teams. It is uh it's going to be a super, super fun watch. The game I'm looking the most forward to this week is that one. And that is over the bills and Ravens. I, I can't say that. Matt, just one last mm-hmm. point here. The trenches, I think, is the biggest reason why I went and bet the Eagles. I do think there is a mismatch in the trenches here. Despite the Jacksonville defensive metrics, they're only 27th in pressure rate, and now they're playing one of, if not the best offensive lines. And Jacksonville's offensive line, 31st and 28th in pass block and run block win rate. The Eagles' top six in pass, pass rush win rate, 7th in pressure rate, despite... Uh, being middle of the pack and blitz rate. So they're getting pressure without blitzing as well. So I think that's the biggest key that I'm looking at here in the trenches here. Uh, if the I think the Eagles are going to have time for Jalen Hurts to do what he wants, and I question Trevor Lawrence being able to do the same. And guys, Adam? Uh, uh, a bit of breaking news here. Amon Ross St. Brown officially out for Sunday for the Lions. Okay. And there we have it. That is going to be that 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 is going to be on the run. And I wonder if now I want to play the under in that game. Hmm. Well, 
Oh well. Oh well. We pr- we will. <laughs> oh well. Forward. We press. We press on here. Yeah, with, with, with everything. Uh, Jets at the Steelers right now. The Steelers are three three and a half point home favorites over the Jets. A total of forty one and a half in this game. Adam, if we take a look at this, my handicap is the is literally the most simplistic in the entire world. Are the Steelers three and a half points better? than any team in the NFL right now. And I don't know if I can get there. I understand we hadn't seen Zach Wilson. We don't really know what he's going to be capable of when he gets out there. But I am I am a, I am having a very hard time getting to the Steelers being three and a half points better than anybody in the NFL right now. I understand where you're coming from. I understand <laughs> there are questions about Zach Wilson. Let's remember where we left this story with Zach Wilson last year, because I think it's important to remember just how bad Zach Wilson had been for the Jets. And now we're talking about Zach Wilson coming back, having next to no time in the preseason, obviously having no time uh, during the season. When we lost last saw Zach Wilson on the field, he was the 36th ranked quarterback in pro football by pro football focus of 39 lower rated were Ben Roethlisberger, Sam Darnold and Mike the neck Glennon. And so I think that the Jets could very easily be just as bad as we expected with Zach Wilson at the helm. That being said, the longer we have to watch Mitchell Trubisky, the longer we know how bad the Steelers are. And so the only way I'm looking in this game, despite the fact that 41 and a half is a low total and 42 is a key number, is under. I don't believe either of these teams is going to be able to move the football with any consistency. Yeah, Stephen, you look at this and I mean, it's like you're if we're trying to like pull positives from any either one of these teams, it's very, very tough to do. I mean, I guess the positive you could pull from the Pittsburgh side of things would be George Pickens made a a highlight real catch and maybe could go down as one of the top five of all time. That's basically like the only thing you can pull from the Pittsburgh's offensive side of things for sure on the defensive side without TJ Watt out there. They are not near what they are when he is out there. Jets are just bad all around I you know I I don't know it's just it's I think for me I'm not going to play it but I think it's it's a jet side or pass for me because I just can't get to I can't get to how Pittsburgh scores enough points to beat anybody by more than three points yeah I understand the logic we kind of hinted at it in the survivor vid earlier this week that like any outcome in this game I don't think would surprise us this game looks extremely volatile but the reason I have decided not to roll the dice on on Jets money line Mm -hmm. here are the reasons Adam laid out about Zach Wilson that we have no idea if he's capable of being a league average quarterback at this point and also the Jets have to now face the Steelers. I know TJ Watts out, but still a very strong Steelers defensive front that has extra time to prepare for this game after playing on Thursday night. And the Jets are down three tackles. They're going to have a third string tackle on one side of the offensive line. I'm good, man. Like just I'll, I'll pass. I'm I'll move on. <laughs> I'm, no thanks. I, I like that. Yeah, I'll just uh and here's the good thing, guys. The the sports books See, they have to book all the games, but us as betters, we don't we don't have to bet all the games. What? So we can just yeah, yeah, yeah. So we can pick and choose. And this is one we don't have to bet. So uh I, I'm with you guys. It's still dog that's really me. hard for me to do, by the way. Like you I know, know Steven. I know, point. I know. You saw this game, you're like, I have to have a bet on this game, but you uh you, <laughs> you, you did. You did. At least at least for now. That's there's still a lot of time until kickoff. Who knows? Maybe you'll end up having something. 
Buffalo Bills and the Baltimore Ravens, the second most anticipated game of the week for me outside of the Eagles and Jags. As we sit right now, the Bills are three-point road favorites over the Ravens, a total of 51. Steven, the last time we saw the Buffalo Bills, they were out there running 90 offensive plays. Um, we saw Josh Allen drop back 63 times in the game. And somehow, despite the most lopsided box score you might ever see, they were not able to win the game against the Miami Dolphins. With the Ravens, what we've actually come to see, which is very interesting, the knock on Lamar Jackson for the longest time was the dude was not accurate enough to be a quarterback in the NFL. Well, through the first three weeks of the season here in 2022, he is one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL. He's the most accurate quarterback throwing into tight windows in the NFL. And for all of my, and I'm listen, I'll step up to the plate whenever I'm wrong, I'm wrong. For all of everybody's preseason opinions of, hey, where are they going to throw the ball? There's no, no wide receivers on that team. How are they going to be able to move the ball? Well, he just throws to he just throws to Mark Andrews every single time, and, and and that's worked out pretty well for them. So, um, two two really good teams here from an offensive standpoint. The big big thing, obviously, injuries on the built side of things, and just the Ravens defense has been a sieve so far. So that's why we're sitting with the total at fifty one. I want to start with a futures bet first uh -huh. because. I am a firm believer that Lamar Jackson should already be the favorite to win MVP. And you can still, I think, find a seven to one out there with him as the fourth choice. I think that's that's valuable. And mm -hmm. I already have a, a beautiful Jalen Hurts 55 to one ticket from the summer. I think I'm going to add on to that portfolio this week with Lamar Jackson at seven to one. He is in incredible he is amazing and he's already proven that he can win mvp and the voters are receptive to betting on a, a dual threat quarterback despite not having gaudy passing yardage statistics so it's already been shown that he can do it and he's doing even better this year through three weeks than he was in his mvp season now for the spread you have to ask yourself are the ravens five points worse on a neutral field than the buffalo bills with this secondary and how banged up they are. I'm not sure they are. I initially bet Bills minus three, the market, when the, to when the, when the limits were lower at the beginning of the week, took some money on the Bills, but then the limits were raised and the money came in very quickly on the Ravens at plus three and a half and moved it back. So I, I, this is not a market or opinion that I want to be on the opposite side of. So I cashed out that Bills minus three at a full stake. Two of our staff writers, Eli Hershkovich and Mo Nawara on the Beat the Closing Line pod laid out great arguments on why they like the Ravens this week. And I don't have a good reason to really go up against them with the Ravens as a home dog here. So, Adam, when we take a look at this, I mean, we, we know what we're getting in Baltimore, at least at the first three weeks, and that is a defense for whatever reason that has not been able to stop anybody from, from going up and down the field. Now, it's it, you can't really point to injuries. I mean, yeah, they they haven't been completely 100%, but it's not like a completely ravaged unit like you're getting from the Bills side of things. And so it does make me wonder, is there something that maybe can be figured out and fixed on the Baltimore side of things to where they're not going to look as bad moving forward? I, I think as long as the offense has Lamar Jackson under center and Mark Andrews out there, then this offense is going to look fine. Um, but the the defense, it's hard to back 
when teams have just been able to go up and down the field. And again, like you can say that the Bills lost that game last week because on paper, because on paper, you know, the record, you know, their record has a loss now. They dominated that game. I mean, absolutely dominated that game. And from an offensive standpoint, they moved the ball up and down the field all day long. I guess my question is, is what would lead us to believe that they are not going to be able to, to duplicate that offensive performance from last week to this week? Because are we really saying that Baltimore's any better than, than what Miami is? Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. We're not. And I have to be very clear about the fact that my evaluation of Baltimore has been far higher than the market for the entire season. And so I have to be cautious of that because I have to look at my numbers and say, am I being too bullish in staying on Baltimore? Much the same way I came to you guys last week and said, are we getting a little too ahead of ourselves here with Miami? So I look at this game and I say, I make this game Buffalo one and a half. That being said, you just talked about how dominant Buffalo was last week. And so I don't want to overreact to the final score of that game when they played as well as they did. I'm going to tell you the one way I played this game. I actually played the one thing I want on this game last Sunday morning with the look aheads came out. I have under mm-hmm. 54 and a half on this game, mm-hmm. and I played it almost instantly based on two things. One, as you mentioned at the top of the show, league wide scoring environment down Two. These are two really, really good pass rushes and not two really great pass blocking teams. Mm-hmm. Right? Both of these teams rank in the top five in PFF grade in pass rush. In fact, the Bills are by a country mile number one in pass rush, and they're doing it largely without blitzing. So it's not like you're opening yourself up to Lamar having a bunch of one on one matchups down the field. Well, the Ravens are 11th in pass block. The uh, Buffalo Bills are 24th in pass block grade. So I think what you're going to see in this game is that I'm not sure either of these quarterbacks is going to have the amount of time that they do. Maybe you end up looking at this game as a game to play rushing props uh, on the quarterbacks, uh, even though you're going to see higher numbers on Allen and Lamar Jackson naturally. But ultimately, that's why I got involved on under only at the bigger number at 54 and a half. I'm not here to tell you to go try to find a number that doesn't exist uh, in the market. That being said, I, I don't think it's the worst at 51 either. Yeah, I, I can totally I can totally get there. And I mean, here's the other thing about this, right? So with all of these injuries for the Bills, one thing that we saw last week as well, and I think that we'll carry over to this week again, is because they're just coached so well and they're schemed up so well that they are able to still keep everything in front of them just by the way that the the defense has been schemed up, right? Like we thought, hey, look, you're missing your entire secondary. Tua and, and the Dolphins are just going to be able to go up and down the field on you all day long. That was not the case at all, right? I mean, like, and that is because they are so well coached and, and have such an incredible scheme on the defensive side of the ball. They're able to keep everything in front of them. They're able to make sure that they're not getting burned and, and they can make you kind of get out of your comfort zone a little bit. Do I think Lamar will figure this out? Will he run a little bit more? I think there's all of that in play, but all of that lead leans towards more what you're saying anyway from an under perspective. And we know if there is any key number in totals, 51 would be it. So if you did want to play the under, you would want to be doing that now um, with all of that. But I mean, it's just, yeah, I, I think the scoring environment here does, does at least lend itself tiny bit more towards a little less scoring here guys i'm super super excited about this game i mean if if buffalo can handle business with the injury situation they've got going on right now i think that 
any questions we might have had coming out of last week, which I didn't really have any, to be honest with you. The offense performed perfectly fine, and the defense held Miami down for the vast majority of the game, despite the fact that they were playing four backups, right, and rookie corners out there. But, Stephen, if if Buffalo, just as a macro conversation here, if Buffalo goes out and handles their business here against the Ravens, who everybody seems to be a little bit higher on again than maybe even I am, doesn't this pretty much solidify the Bills, even as well the as well as the Eagles have played, that the Bills are really the team to beat? A hundred percent, especially if they do it with how banged up they are on this injury report this week. That's the big thing. And if they if they don't win the game and they have a lot of these key guys either clearly playing hobbled or not playing at all, then I'm not sure I'm going to rush to judgment on the Bills not being one of the top two teams in the league. That's kind of where I'm at. Gabe Davis, their number two receiver, downgraded from limited to DNP Wednesday to Thursday. Two guys on their offensive line. One has a concussion. The other is limited with an elbow. So, I mean, arm injury, elbow injury, not the best when you're an offensive lineman trying to block. So we'll see. Those are the two, the three guys in, in particular that are important to me for this Bills offense going into this game. In addition to all the secondary stuff we talked about. And Adam, one of the things you just mentioned, which I think is something important, like you were you were looking at look ahead lines, you're looking ahead, you're looking whatever. So here we are right now with a game next week for this Bills team against the Steelers, who, again, I think we're all pretty down on when it comes to the Steelers. If the Bills happen to lose this game or look not all that great, again, against a Ravens team in which we think is still pretty good, this could be a the ultimate buy low spot on the Bills against this Steelers team next week. Like, like I would be looking at that opening line, at whatever that opening line is when it comes out against the Steelers, and it it could probably I think it's present 13, a, by the way. I think yeah. it's 13. But but what if what I'm saying is it's if the Bills look bad this week. I mean, if this thing yeah. comes in under double digits, this is going to be a, a fantastic buy opportunity on the Bills. Oh, without question. And if you think Pittsburgh can put up even 14 points on this Buffalo defense, like yeah. uh, you can get, get me on the team total there. <laughs> All right. The Chargers and the Texans, man, this sucks. I, I have yeah. so many Chargers futures. I had such high hopes for this team. And now... It's all just falling apart. They're five point favorites on the road over the Texans. It is a total of 44 and a half to 45. Um, Steven, what can we really say about this? You know, Lindsley left tackle goes on. I mean, uh, Rashawn Slater left tackle goes on IR. They're battling. Keenan Allen had to leave practice on Thursday, even though it looked like he was trying to go again. You got the rib injury with Herbert. JC Jackson can't find his way out on the field. Corey Lindsley's been beat up. I mean, there's just, it's, it's injury after injury after injury after injury here with his Chargers team. Bosa goes on IR. He's going to have to have surgery on his groin. It, I mean, it's a shell of the team that we thought we were going to get. I get why they are just a five point favorite over the Texans. And I think it's probably appropriate. One of the first games I scratched off of my, uh, of the list this week. Any handicap of this game, I think, is a guessing game, right? I mean, with all the injuries that the Chargers have, the Texans have been putrid. They couldn't even, I I guess, they scratched out a push if you got the Mm -hmm. three last week against the Bears, who I think is one of the two worst teams in the league. Um, I mean, how can you, any opinion you have on this game is just projecting out a theory because there's no way to know what this incantation of the chargers is with all the key injuries they have at important positions so uh, i suppose you can make an argument that you're buying low on the chargers despite how banged up they are because they are playing the houston texans but 
I still have the memory in my head of the Chargers losing to the Houston Texans <laughs> late in the season last year when the Chargers were playing meaningful games. If they win that game against the Texans last year, they don't need to beat the Raiders or tie the Raiders in the last week of the season to make the playoffs. So, yeah, no, I hard pass, man. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Hard pass on this. Adam, as we sit right now, the Chargers are either the third or fourth most popular pick in a lot of the survivor pools out there. And listen, I've had some fairly big cojones uh, in my plays so far in Survivor. You would never, I mean, I cannot fathom in a million years playing the Chargers this week in Survivor. It just doesn't make any sense to me at all as to why you would why you would do that. I mean, again, a quarterback with the rib injury, Keenan Allen has to leave practice, all the stuff on the defensive side of the ball or whatever. Like, do I think the Texans win? No. Would if, if we're talking about this game guys like next week, and we're talking about the, the drastic fall of from grace from this Chargers team, because they lost to the Texans. Would I be absolutely shocked? I would not. So I am, you know, I'm, I can't even believe I'm saying it would be a dog or pass type situation. I would need six. I wouldn't take five. Like I would need, to get onto the key ish number of six or something. But if this thing somehow got to six, I actually would be tempted to play the Texans, but I don't know if that'll be the case. I have absolutely nothing to add to this game. You guys have covered it all. Oh, I, I do have a bet. I forgot. I do have an angle. Oh, I bet. Forgot. Not, not, it's I like forgot. tangential. It's like tangential. Okay. It's right. not the Chargers or the Texans, but I went out and bet Chiefs minus 105 to win the division. Because oh, okay. everything has cleared okay. the road for them in this division. That's true. The, the, the Raiders look like crap. The Broncos are underperforming versus expectation. And the Chargers are just the walking wounded. So I thought minus 105 was a pretty darn good price at this point to take on the Chiefs to win the division. It re- it's only 105? And wow. there's one did, 105 okay. left, I believe, at our show sponsor, Bet MGM. When I bet it yesterday, I'm, uh, we'll see if it's still there come the weekend. The, the Denver defense is legit. That's the only thing I would say about that. That's fair. It is. It is. The offense. Yeah. Broken. Yeah. I think, I think, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about them in just a minute. You're listening to the lines.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U S sports books all in one place. Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Arizona Cardinals at the Carolina Panthers. This one is fairly interesting because we are starting to see this number flip. It was the Cardinals as one, one and a half point underdogs. Now at DraftKings, the Cardinals are one point favorites. You can still find the Panthers as one and one and a half point favorites as well. So again, do your shopping around a total of 43 and a half. Adam, when we look at this one, I I have the Cardinals in a couple of different teaser legs this week. If you're going to give me a full touchdown, more than a full touchdown in a game with a 43 total against this Carolina Panthers team with a nicked up um Christian McCaffrey as well for this for this team. Baker Mayfield has been playing as poorly as we expected him to play. I know the Cardinals have looked like garbage. 
they are not a two score dog to this Carolina Panthers team. So I was happy, happy, happy to be able to put them in a teaser leg. With you on that, um, endorse the teaser play. Keep in mind that last week, the Arizona Cardinals were actually at one point a drive away from making the Rams very, very sweaty. And they were live as a dog at plus three and a half for the entire game uh, up until what? Maybe the middle of the fourth quarter. So ultimately, I don't see why the love is there for Carolina, but I will respect the fact that uh, when I was talking to some of the folks over at one of the books in Vegas last week, they were saying that they've got some respected people who keep coming back on Carolina. So I don't see it, but I'm willing to respect that someone does. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess when I look at this, Steven, there is, there are pieces to like on Carolina, like individual pieces. There are individual pieces to like, on Carolina. So I guess like from, from that perspective, you can, I can understand why there are people who want to keep coming back. I mean, look, the receiving core is actually not that bad, right? I mean, like it's, yeah. it's, it's actually pretty good. It's just how do they get the ball? If you look on the defensive side of the ball, they have guys. I mean, like Burns is individually good, right? Like JC Horn is individually Good. And so there are pieces to like about the team. I just don't know if the team as a whole is anything I can buy into. Well, if you listen to Matt Rule on the podium this week, he said the receivers have to get more open. Yeah. I never listened to Matt Rule. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, completely threw DJ Moore, one of the best route runners in the league, Mm -hmm. under the bus. So things are going great in Carolina. Um, Yeah. Arizona. Money line minus 105 or better. I think I'm still fine at minus 110. Like why they were a dog to start this week. I'm getting in my car and going and grabbing the last one and a half to get that up to to eight and a half for a teaser leg after we're done recording here. Carolina has gone from the worst quarterback play in the NFL last year to the worst quarterback play in the NFL this year. Mm -hmm. Baker Mayfield, 37th uh, last year in EPA per attempt when pressured, and now he's facing Arizona, who's generating top five pressure with the number one blitz rate. Brutal matchup for him and his ability against pressure. He is dead last among quarterbacks in EPA and completion percentage over expectation blend, dead last in success rate, dead last in that CPOE. Carolina, dead last offensively in success rate overall. I don't think it's it's all Baker. Like if, if you go and, and watch one of the, the clips that Dan Orlovsky put out, the coaching has been malpractice as well with Ben McAdoo and yeah. Matt Rule. There's been a lot of telegraphing based on formation, what they're going to do pre-snap. And they have been below average in yards per play offensively in each game this season versus the league average of yards per play last year. Now Christian McCaffrey's banged up, got in a limited practice today. He's officially questionable. We'll see how close to 100% he is. But I I thought we were getting a gift here to get plus money earlier in the week on Arizona. If you can still get it, go do it. And admittedly, Kyler Murray has not been great, right? Like He's been mm-hmm. not too far above Baker Mayfield in these metrics. But Carolina is also 27th in pass rush win rate. So he's going to have time. He's got the ability to improvise where Baker doesn't. And I, I just think this is – you could talk about the parts all you want, but like Geppetto is not on that sideline putting Pinocchio together. It ain't happening. And receiving props, like if there's anything the Carolina defense does well, it's defend the run. And so it wouldn't surprise me if Kyler Murray has 
45 attempts in this game or whatever. So, you know, when it all comes down to it, passing props for me, overs on attempts, overs on completions, maybe overs on receptions for for some of the guys on his side as well. Those are all things I'm going to be looking at for, for this game. Because again, like if you're, if you are the Cardinals at this point, the way that your team has performed, do not do, do not do what Cincinnati did on Thursday night. And despite the fact you're averaging 2.4 yards per carry run Joe Mixon into the center of the line, uh, 22 times in the game. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that to James Conner. Just go out there, use Kyler Murray, use those receivers and uh, take the path of least resistance here because, again, the secondary so far for for Carolina not been good, and that is something that I'm going to uh, that I would be taking advantage of in uh, in this one as well. All right, fellas, this one is a game in which I am super, super, super curious because it's the only big spread of the week, and we've got the Patriots and the Packers with the Packers as nine, nine and a half point. This had gotten to 10. This had gotten as high as 10 and a half. There was instant buyback on 10 and a half. And so we, we sat at 10 for a while. Now we're under the double digits. Steven, this is a, a game in which we know Mac Jones likely to not play, even though he tried to throw out there that there was a chance he could play. Um, I think if you're a Packers backer, you would love for him to play in this game because a dude with a severe high ankle sprain uh, trying to throw against your, your team is, is certainly something you would, you would want, but um, the total reflects what we were getting in this 39 and a half to 40 Packers defense been pretty good so far. Packers offense work in progress. I'm just wondering if you think the number's too big. Yeah, it might be. I don't think you're that you, assume, I don't think you're ever going to try to make right? a case that the that the Patriots win this game outright. So I no. think if so, I think then our question becomes: Is nine nine and a half too many points for this Packers team? That again, the offense is is a work in progress. Like Adam, when what was your what's your initial thought here? Kind of on when you saw the 10, did you say like, oh, I don't know about 10. Now that we've seen some money come in at the 10 they're down, we're down to nine and a half or nine. Like, do you agree with this? Like, where are we? Because I think again, conceptually, we got to talk through this from just the strictly from that standpoint. I don't think any of us are going to make a case for the Patriots winning this game outright. I'm not going to make you a case for the Patriots winning the game outright, but I'm going to tell you the one matchup that I'm looking at that actually mm. would get me involved with the dog. I don't think this is a pretty dog situation, but I understand yeah. exactly why 10 came off the board through three mm. weeks. Again, small sample size warnings. The New England Patriots are the number one rushing DVOA team in the league, better than the Cleveland Browns. You know, who's the worst in the league by rush DVOA on defense? The Green Bay Packers uh, here at the mm -hmm. moment. So you're talking about, strange as it might seem, strength versus strength with the New England running game versus the Green Bay Packers rush defense. And if you say to yourself, well, they're just going to load the box up, what did you think they were going to do in the first place against Mac Jones? Right? Uh, nothing yeah. really changes uh, there. Like you already evaluated this Patriots team as a team that can't throw the ball. So I don't think anything in your handicap changes significantly with Mac Jones to Brian Hoyer. Yeah, I know it, it's it's terms of the points, which is why this game moved from six and a half to nine and a half in the first place. I make it nine and a half. I think 10 or more is too much. And I would if it gets back over, which in with Green Bay in a three game afternoon window, uh, as people are steaming and chasing could easily get back to 10. I think 10 is too much. Mm -hmm. And I would take New England. 
Steven Jire Alexander, questionable. Eldon Jenkins, questionable. Bakhtiari, questionable. Lazard, questionable. So there's all of this like out there for this Packers team as well. So, I mean, it's not like they're coming into this thing completely 100% either. I, I, you, y'all know, y'all, I am so far down on the Patriots that I couldn't be further down the Patriots. If this thing does pop 10 again, I think I have to take advantage of like, I think that there's just not a, there's not a lot of confidence in me that this Packers offense has anything to blow anybody out. I don't care what, what, what team it is. I'm just going to ask you guys a very simple question. You answer yes or no. We'll start with Matt and then go to Adam. The Packers closed as a nine and a half point favorite at home against the Chicago Bears. Are the Brian Hoyer Patriots better or worse than the Chicago Bears? Matt? Yeah, I know. I mean, they're they're better for sure. Yeah, uh, they're, they're without question better. And the total in this game is similar at 40. And I think you can expect more out of the New England offense than you could out of anything Justin Fields is going to do. So, I also just realized that I told you I'd ask you a yes or no question. The answer was not yes or no. So that's that, fine. Great, great job by me. Great yeah, journalism by me. No, no worries. But I mean, I honestly think that guys, I mean, I, I guess we're kind of all on the same page here. If this thing gets back to double digits, we probably pull the trigger, huh? I'm tempted. Yeah. The, the, my concern is on the flip side here with the New England defense against the Packers offense, because I think that the Packers are starting to figure it out with the passing game. It's going to take time, obviously, but looks like he's developing chemistry with the rookie Romeo Dobbs. They should have scored 21 last week. They couldn't run the ball on, on the on the Bucks defense, but nobody really can. Mm-hmm. Um Rodgers with a respectable 7.3 yards per attempt against that elite Bucks defense. New England is 31st defensively in rush EPA and success rate. So a chance for a big Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon game here this week. So I'm not sure. I, I, I don't know if I want to bet on Brian Hoyer, man. Like, I don't know. Like there's so many other great options this week. And you told me, you keep telling me I don't have to bet the board every it's week. True. So maybe it's just, it's I true. sit back and watch and, and maybe I get a good number in game on the Packers. That's better than nine and a half. Denver Broncos at the Las Vegas Raiders and Adam, I don't need to tell you who the only undef- who, who the only O and three team is in the NFL. Um, that is your, the Las Vegas Raiders two and a half at home favorites over the Denver Broncos, who I can only assume we would say probably the most disappointing team in the NFL through three weeks. I mean, like the expectations I don't think we're sky high for this team. They were certainly not like, hey, we're talking about the Broncos as one of the worst teams that we've watched through three weeks of the season. Um, 45 and a half is the total here. Adam, I threw the Broncos in a teaser. I have no qualms about doing that. I think that this defense is still very, very good. And eventually the offense has to figure something out somewhere along the way. Listen. It can't get worse. It's as bad as it could possibly be. So I can only be getting a better version of the Broncos offense moving forward because it cannot be worse than it has been so far. And so if you're going to give me eight and a half points against a Raiders team that has underperformed so, 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 so badly so far, I'm going to take it. I might live to regret it, but uh, I, I think the Broncos in a teaser leg is a pretty strong play this week. Wrong team's favored. Uh, and I, I, Damn I, I think I have this game probably four to five points off market 
And that is from someone who thinks that Nathaniel Hackett has proven in three weeks that he should not have a job next year. So mm. I, like that's how down I am on Denver should tell you that's how down I am on the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, I think teaser leg is the way to go because of the uncertainty that Nathaniel Hackett introduces into mm. every decision that the Denver Broncos are going to make. So eight and a half on Denver. The, I see no way Denver loses this game by more than a score because of the elite defense fifth in terms of overall defensive DVOA. And on the other side, look, we've talked about how bad the Broncos offense has been, and it has been every bit of that bad. The Raiders defense has been abysmal. Max Crosby has continued to do Max Crosby things. However, Chandler Jones has five pressures through three games Mm -hmm. and they might be down both Rocky Yassine and Nate Hobbs. They're two starting cornerbacks in the secondary and their third cornerback coming into the year who wasn't good in the first place. And Anthony Averett is already out. They don't have anybody who can cover whatsoever. So any way you look at this game, you say to yourself, where's the advantage for the Raiders? You want to say, oh, well, Dan Orlovsky said that Derek Carr can't find Devontae Adams. Now they're definitely going to find Devontae Adams. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick Sertan disagrees, right? Like they've yeah. got reasons to believe that they can cover Devonte Adams and Derek Carr has looked terrible. The line has looked terrible. They keep continuing to change the combinations on the offensive line every week. If you're going to say that you like the Raiders at home, someone's got to tell me what matchup is it that you like that the Raiders are better than the Broncos. I can't see it. If you look at this, Stephen, I mean, it, it's there has to be again. I we we might be proven wrong that this Denver team is like in the upper half of teams, but their red zone offense is dead last in the NFL. It is still a team yeah. that has Russell Wilson. No matter what, I look. I think Russell Wilson might be on the decline, maybe even faster than we see, think. But he is still not one of the bottom quarterbacks in the league. Any team that has Russell Wilson and Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, like you should not be dead last in red zone offense. So like that has to regress at least a little bit towards the mean, a little bit on the positive side of things here. And, and like, again, this defense is so incredibly stout. I just, you know, again, maybe I'm drinking the Kool-Aid here of, of that. There's still something in the tank for, for Russell Wilson and this offense really is going to get things together here. But uh, I just, I can't get there with the Raiders being a favorite this week. I have to double down on what Adam just said. And I'm going to say the same thing Mm -hmm. I said about the Colts. What in the hell have the Raiders done to be two and a half points better on this spread versus the opener in the summer and a full point better on the look ahead? What in the hell have they done? They generously should be one and two at best. And this is a team that I think was just rated incorrectly from the very start. There were expectations with some big flashy moves that they made in the offseason to bring them in. But this is still the luckiest team in the NFL last year to make the playoffs. They could have easily been seven and ten just as much as they were ten and seven. They how did they go 10 and 7 last year? Let's do a little refresher on this. They were 4 and 0 in overtime games, the most wins in overtime games in NFL history. They were 5 and 1 in games decided by a field goal or less. They were 7 and 2 in one-score games. They were 7th in fumble luck. They were they won 8 games in which they trailed at some point, which was the second most in the NFL, and they trailed in 15 games last season only behind the mighty Jets, Giants and Lions. 
So this team, I think, was rated incorrectly coming into the season. I think they were always due for regression. We've seen that regression. And now they're getting more respect because, oh, this is a must-win game for them and, and this is their season and they have to win. Like, no. Like, at some point, you're bad. Yeah. At some point, you're just bad. And they're playing the Broncos, who I think people have a bad taste in their mouth because the offenses looked ugly on a couple of primetime spots. But all credit to the 49ers for that defense. Like, that 49ers defense is ferocious. They are one of the best in the league at getting pressure without blitzing. So that's a tough spot. And oh, by the way, they won the damn game. The Broncos yeah. won because, as Adam said, contrary to my preseason beliefs, this defense is legit. This defense is performing very strongly. So I, I don't understand why the Raiders are getting even more respect with this line than they were a week ago, even more than they were a month ago. And I will happily take the teaser leg. It is my favorite teaser leg of the week on the Broncos up to eight and a half. And I've used it in several different teaser legs. This is, to use your word, Matt, this is an anchor teaser yeah. leg for me this week. Um, and, and Adam, you bring up Sertan. I mean, like, look, he shadowed DK Metcalf in week one, shut him down. He shadowed Brandon Ayuk in week three. And it, it, like, the only thing is, the same deal we're talking about with Slay is Sertan doesn't travel. The 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 Raiders will run, um, will run Devontae Adams out of the slot. So, I mean, they'll, they'll try to, he might run far more routes out of the slot this week than than he typically does just to try to get him where he doesn't have to match up against Sertan. But I mean, look, Sertan has already proven he is, he's that dude, right? I mean, like he, he's that dude and you, you put him up against just about anybody and their day is going to be far, far rougher. And so now, uh, you know, not to just belabor this game, Adam, but it's like, you know, can they beat, can the Raiders beat the Broncos with, with Darren Waller? Right. I mean, like, can they beat the, it, it, I just don't, I don't know, man. I it's, it's very tough. For me. I mean, think about it this way. Hunter Renfro is still in concussion protocol, not likely to play. It hasn't practiced this week. So maybe you do see Devonte Adams in the slot more. Maybe you ultimately see the Broncos decide to double Devonte Adams and put Patrick Sertan on the other side against Mac Hollins mm -hmm. and take him completely out of the game. Yeah. I, I, I don't see a way for the Raiders to be able to scheme around what the Broncos defense can do to them. Yeah, it is. And last point, yep. Matt, his, historically here, like real news, fake news, you guys decide. But I think it's at least an interesting note. The Raiders are 0-3 and a favorite in their fourth game. Since 1989, only 35 teams, that's been the case. They've covered only 32% of the time. Like this, real news or fake news, use trends all you want. Fake but news. combine that with, yeah, fake news probably. But just drive the point home here, Adam, that this matchup to everything we've said looks great for the Broncos. And yet for some mind boggling reason, mm -hmm. the Raiders are still getting respect. It makes no sense. Sunday night football, Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Bucks. As we sit right now, the Bucks are one point home favorites, though we are seeing some pickums start to pop in this one. The total sitting 45 and a half to 40. Six. This has been a this has been a very very talked about matchup. Of course, Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady. Now, Stephen, if we look at this, this is a different Bucks team more than likely. Now, again, we are recording this early Friday morning. We do not have the injury report for the Bucks yet, but more than likely, this is going to be a different Bucks squad than we've seen for the majority of this season so far. Because we know for a fact that Evans will be back out there. He is no longer suspended. Chris Godwin was back at practice. Julio Jones was back at practice. Could we finally see this team at full strength for the first time since the first quarter of the first game this year? Now, if that's the case, then I do understand 
why the Bucks at least have been sitting as a favorite the majority of the week. If that's not the case, the underrated, I mean, maybe the most unheralded thing in all of sports in all the NFL this year has been this Chiefs defensive line and this Chiefs defense overall, who's been playing very, very well and frankly been keeping this team in a lot of these games because the offense certainly has not been clicking. So a very, very, very interesting matchup from both sides. For sure. I think that the the one matchup that stands out to me is the Bucks defensive front against the Kansas City offensive line. I think that uh, that offensive line has not been great for the Chiefs, despite expectations coming into the season. They are 30th in pressure allowed is this Kansas City offensive line, and they're mm-hmm. facing a, a Tampa Bay defensive front that is probably better than the one that dominated the Chiefs in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Uh, They are sixth in pressure rate through the first few weeks of the season. They are number one in defensive EPA. This is not a good matchup in the trenches for the Chiefs offense. So this could be a carbon copy of what we saw in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago with so many like pieces coming back in this one. Um, And on top of that, we think it's clear that the market agrees with that, with the with the health of the Bucks coming in. I think you just have to draw a line through what the Bucks offense did the past couple of weeks with Tom Brady throwing to friggin' Cole Beasley and company. So, I mean, good matchup here for the Bucks defense and, and a reason to be bullish on the Bucks offense with health. I have made but one bet in this game, and it is a yes on an interception from Patrick Mahomes. I got plus money. It is now sitting even money if you wanted to play it at DraftKings. So the over 0.5 is even money. Mahomes has thrown a pick just in his career, right? Just in his career, 42% of games. When you throw as much as he does, obviously, you're more likely to throw picks because the ball's in the air more often. So nearly every other game that he's played, he has thrown an interception. The Bucs defense has 45 interceptions in 41 games since the beginning of 2022. This has been a ball hawking defense. It is a defense that is very opportunistic. And then, Adam, we throw in the fact that Patrick Mahomes should probably have about three more interceptions this season, if not four more, because he has been very, very fortunate on the injury luck situation. That's the only bet for this game I have in the account right this second. Now, I want to see the full injury report for Tampa Bay before I end up making a decision. We'll have a standalone Sunday night video on the channel as well, so be sure and tune in for that. Um, but it is it is something for me where I do wonder if this Bucks defense might be a little bit too much for this version of the Chiefs. So think about what we've seen out of Kansas City thus far. We all got excited week one when the Kansas City Chiefs ripped apart what, we've, what has turned out to be a very bad Arizona Cardinals team. Mm-hmm then they probably should have lost to the Chargers in week two on Thursday night. And given a rest advantage going into Indianapolis last week, we watched them derp it around for 60 Mm -hmm. minutes and managed to lose to that Colts team. So I make this game by the numbers a pick, and I only make it a pick because of the health concerns for Tampa Bay. I'll tell you guys, I have bet on Tampa Every week thus far. And even though Mm -hmm. I lost with them last week, I still believe I was on the right side last week if they don't fumble the ball twice at midfield when they were starting to move it along. And despite how poorly they played, they were a two point conversion away from tying that game and sending it to overtime. That Tampa defense is legit. We haven't seen anything of what the Tampa Bay uh, offense can be. Now, again, Mm -hmm. look at that offensive line. 
it's going to be more of a struggle for Brady, period, end of story. He does not have the same talent along the offensive line that he's had in the past, but he also doesn't have the receivers to win matchups, and that's the bigger problem for what he's had. So ultimately, I haven't placed a wager on this game. I'm waiting for the final injury reports to come in, but I have a strong lean toward Tampa for a fourth consecutive week. Same with me. I I think so long as the injury report comes out, favorable for them i'll be on tampa side especially if now that kansas city's taking money i mean like that's saying that seems like music to my ears in this one um it just for me tom brady if there's anybody in this league that can deal with having a poor offensive line it's tom brady he knows how to get the ball out of his hand fast he knows how to sit there and like look and they've got that little look that they do the him and his receivers bam all the different things like that. So I, I am with you guys. I think this will be a bucks or pass for me, but a super interesting game. We'll be looking for that injury report. Again, we'll have a standalone video for Monday night football as well. Don't have any of those injury reports. So want to make sure that we're giving you the most accurate information as we go along for that one. But guys, it has been a pretty good first three weeks here looking to build on what we had last week. I'm super, super excited here for several games this week. And hopefully we continue on in your survivor if you're playing out there again i'm likely just going to be on the packers this week i'll play the chalk and move on i'll deal with stuff further from there if you want to follow adam on the twitter machine at adam candy two e's no y you want to follow steven at steven Anderson one me at matt brown m2 and of course everything we do absolutely free subscribe rate and review on the audio side and if you're watching us on youtube hit that subscribe button down below and let us know in the comment section what's your favorite bet of the week What game do you want us to maybe talk about a little bit more? All the different things like that. We will try to get in on the comment section as well for everything. For Steven, for Adam, I'm Matt. Good luck on all your bets in week four. 